You've got a kingdom virus. Yeah, you do. And if you open your mouth because it's airborne, it's an airborne contagion. But for it to be airborne, you have to open your mouth and speak it. And then if people reach out with the least little bit of faith, they'll, get, they'll catch it. They really will. And so it's a big, big, big deal. And so I have, I have, I, I am a kingdom contagion. I, of course, I have a lot of different kinds of testimonies, but one in particular, I had an incurable a digestive tract disease and, um, and for 25 years. And in 2010, I got healed. Yay. Yes. And I mean, it was, and it was bad. I won't describe it, but it was bad. It was very bad. And uh, I've been healed since 2010. And, uh, and I have that. And so I believe there's some people in here, and you've got digestive tract issues. Yeah. And so I want, if you, I want to pray for you. So if you have a digestive tract issue, I want you to stand to your feet. This, isn't, this is the no-shy zone, okay? <laughs> right here. This is the no-shy zone. Seriously, if you've got any kind of digestive, I don't care, from the, from the esophagus down to you know what. <laughs> Whatever it is, if you've got a digestive disorder of any kind, I want you to stand your feet. I'm just going to believe for this. And, and I want the people that are seated around them to start laying hands on them. Just lay hands on them. I'm going to pray over them, but I want you to lay hands on them. I want hands laid on these people right now. Father, I thank, we thank you as a body for what you paid for for all of us, not just a few of us. Lord, we thank you for the, the testimony, the reminder of a God encounter, the reminder of who you are, what you do, how good you are. Father, thank you for your sons and your daughters that are standing up today. Lord, that you, your blood paid for their health and their well-being, their sins and their sicknesses. And Father, I thank you that you healed my body. In my body is the evidence and the testimony of the goodness of Jesus, a loving Father, a powerful, a redemptive package. And so in Jesus' name, we speak to their bodies. We welcome the Holy Spirit now to come and meet them from their throat down to you know where. Holy Spirit, we just see healing virtue flooding through their bodies now in Jesus' name, removing all of those effects Every bit, every digestive disorder, whatever it might be, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. And we speak the shalom of heaven, the peace of heaven to their stomach, to their esophagus, to their small intestine, large intestine, their colon, every bit of it now. We speak to the tissue and we say, be made whole now in Jesus' name. And we just see the, the oil of heaven just going down their esophagus into the stomach lining, into the colon. Father, in Jesus' name, we just see healing virtue flooding their bodies now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Well, let's give a God a praise. And I, it's, I, I, realize, I realize it's not exactly something you can check. At, at least not at the moment. I mean, if you had pain and the pain is gone, that's great. That's a great thing to know. But um, I guess when you go have your next meal or your next you-know-what or whatever... Don't get weird on me. God created that stuff. Come on. It's all right. Don't get embarrassed by your biology because God sure didn't. All right? Amen. <laughs> it needs to work right. Come on. Stuff's supposed to work right. When God makes stuff, it's supposed to work right. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Well, anyway, it's great to be here. I have no idea. What time do you normally get out? Oh, well, 1 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, 1. All right. We got till 1 o'clock. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 1 o'clock. Well, I guess if Jesus shows up, you're not going to lock the doors, right? Okay. <laughs> What's that? Uh, that's right. That's right. That's, that's good. Um, 
Anyway, I am, okay, I have, I have no idea if I've shared this here before or not. You know, when you've been everywhere, like sometimes we are, you tend to forget what you share, but I just feel like I'm supposed to share this. And I don't think I did, but if I did, most of you won't remember it because you probably weren't here. But I was, tra- travel a lot, quite a bit, actually. I mean, we are a two-nation family, South Africa, 50% of the time we, we travel from there, minister there, and then 50% of the time in the States, and I'm heading back to Cape Town, South Africa on Monday. Uh, we've been serving a church in Gallup, New Mexico, right in the middle of Native America, the Navajo Nation, which is the largest First Nations tribe um, in the United States, the Navajo Nation, the largest Native American reservation. We've been serving a church there that has incredible favor among the Navajos, the Hopis, and the Zunis. Uh, we've just relocated another our base back to Nashville. We're planting a church there now as well. And uh, we're still trying to find some more stuff to do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I travel a lot. My wife, actually, she's ministering this morning in Gallup, New Mexico while we're here. She sends her greetings. She loves you guys as well. How many remember my wife, Connie? And uh, sorry I couldn't bring her this time, but she's kind of working on that side. And then she'll join me again in Cape Town end of this month. But anyway, I was flying between the states and either South Africa. I think it was South Africa. I know I had an India trip a couple of times in there, but I think it was South Africa. But I was, I was, um, we were, uh, I was flying KLM or Air France. I think it was Air France. And we were um, approaching Paris. And... Um, Anyway, so we're, we're doing our normal descent, and um, I looked outside, and I could see this big, huge weather system. I mean, it was massive. As far as the eye could see, this massive weather system. And um, I was kind of calculating about how long still before we hit the ground, kind of looking at my watch and whatnot. And, and I knew that, well, we have to get through that weather system, and then there's still going to be, you know, some distance between that big weather system and the ground. And... And we were just above it, just above the weather system. And I happened to look at the monitor, the flight monitor. And um, when I looked at the flight monitor, it said landing 10 seconds. And I said, well, God, something's wrong with the monitor. You know, that's what it said. It said 10 seconds, landing 10 seconds. And I thought, well, there's no way that thing is wrong. And so... All, so we get, so we, we drop down into the cloud system, and as soon as we did, it hit the ground. As soon as it did, we hit the ground. Seriously. I mean, I was just like, like it was a surreal moment. And I'm, listen, this was not fog. This was clouds. I mean, it was a cl- I mean, you could not see. I mean, we literally hit the ground, landed in the clouds. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of freaked out, quietly. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't see the, you could not see the wing. You couldn't see the ground. It was that thick. And I'm looking around at people and nobody else seems freaked out. I mean, I'm really, this is, what happened? You know, I mean, I mean, did we die and go to heaven? You know, I mean, what? <laughs> you know? I mean, really, it was just, it was not, it was clouds. And all of a sudden, I realized nobody else was seeing what I was seeing. Nobody else was seeing it. And, um, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit said to me that too many of my children see a distance between their ground and my glory, and there is none. And I believe that's a big part of what I'm called to do is to remove that distance. To remove that distance. Because there is sometimes so much distance between our ground, our reality, in our minds, in our understanding. And maybe the way, yes, tell, tell the president, not now. You know, <laughs> where was I? Okay. 
We hit the ground. Okay. And when we hit the ground, <laughs> but that's, the enemy is continually convincing us that somehow there is this distance. And, and the only distance is really between our ears. And many times even in our heart. And that really is a, a, a real focus, a real passion, a real priority of mine is to help people bridge that gap. Realize that the only distance between you and him is in the turn. That's what repentance is. Yeah, that's what repentance is. It's a change of mind. The only distance between you and Jesus is in the turn. That's it. Did you know that there are hundreds of songs that are accessible in the atmosphere of this room. You might not hear them. You can't hear them, but there are hundreds, probably thousands of songs that are accessible in the atmosphere of this room. Now, you don't hear them, but if you had the right receiver and you tuned into the correct frequency, you would get your reggae <laughs> or your blues or your classical whatever, or your rock, whatever it is. Well, guess what? The glory is in this room. The glory is in the atmosphere of this space and that space and every other space. And we are His right receiver. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help tune us into the correct frequency so that we can release that glory that's here. Did you know that you are the receiver of choice? You are the vehicle of choice for God's glory. It's amazing. Nothing else in creation, as awesome as creation is, nothing else has been set apart to carry glory like us. Everything else just reflects glory. We are His glory. <laughs> yeah. And so, that's really... What I do. That's what you do. That's what we all do. That's what, in fact, that's the tuning process. Worship is part of the tuning. We're tuning into the frequency, passion, hunger, humility, longing, focus. There's a tuning in when there's the preaching of the word. There's a tuning in when there's prayer and faith. There really is. All these are is the tuning in process, completing the circuit so that the glory, his character, who Jesus is, and all of his magnificence can just fill us evermore. It's, it's about more of him through all of us. Did you know that? Did you know? And, you know, there are different demographics that we sort of prioritize at different times. For different reasons, different economic demographics, cultural demographics, gender demographics, educational demographics, you know, just we're, we're categorized into every kind of little demographic. And, and I understand the need to do that from time to time. But do you know what the most significant demographic is today? Everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, how cool is that? The most significant group is everybody. That's the season we're living in. And the enemy hates it because he loves to categorize and label. Because as soon as, as, as the, the more we stay disconnected, the more the circuit doesn't connect. And so it's not about more of him through a few of us. It's about more of him through all of us. And, that's the, and the revelation of that is rising to a whole new level to where the body is looking like the body and not just a few limbs, a few fingers, a few body parts. More of him through all of us. Anyway, that's like I said, that's, that's what I'm in for. That's what I get paid to do. <laughs> that's what we live for. And it's just so much fun, it really is. And um, so I'm going to ask you, to turn to John chapter 8. I still like paper. I still do. I do have all the smartphones and all that stuff, but I still like to hold it, squeeze it, write on it. Trees gave their life for it. I'm going to respect it. 
you know. And, um, but, so you can turn to, to John chapter 8, and I'm going to read this in just a minute. Tension, we have all know it to some degree, we, 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 we've experienced it and what tension is. But tension is the balance between two contra- uh, contrasting elements. That's what tension is. And much of life or most of life is, is lived in the tension between need and supply. It's kind of a love-hate relationship. I mean, no one likes the feeling of hunger. But it sure makes eating a whole lot more fun when you are. Isn't it? That's what makes eating fun. Because you're hungry. Nobody likes the feeling of extreme thirst. But boy, drinking that cool glass of water is so much more satisfying when you are. Nobody likes when their back is itchy, but boy, that itch makes that scratch feel like heaven. In fact, I like when I'm around my wife and my back itches. I hope it itches. I pray for an itchy back. Because, baby, when she scratches my back, I start purring. But isn't that true? I mean, it really, really is. Well, in like matter, much of, our, much of our walk with Jesus is this juxtaposition between our need and his supply or provision. I mean, it's, um, I mean uh, forgiveness has intrinsic value, but the discovery of that provision... Or, or, or of that forgiveness is inextricably linked to the fact that you desperately need it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, David said in um, Psalms 51, he said this. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Well, part of the joy of his salvation was knowing how desperately he needed it. It's a big part of it. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're hiking, you're hiking on a trail, and you run into a game warden, it's not a big deal. It's maybe just a nice, little, a nice little conversation, and you keep going. But if you're lost in the wilderness, and you run into a game warden, he's your daddy. <laughs> he's your new best friend, baby. I'm going to love you forever. It is a high like nobody's business. See, you know what I'm saying? You, you see that? You see how joy works? It's remembering this, this between how bad it was and how good he is. It is so huge. And I would like us to look in John chapter 8. Here's a, this is a very a familiar story. And, and it's, it's the story of, of well, the Jesus and the adulterous woman. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a different look at this, and I think you're going to see a few new things here. And, and actually, I, I had intended to do something completely different this morning. I was telling Doug, I'm a big Christmas guy. I am. It's, I just love everything about it. It's my favorite time of year. I try to have Christmas all year round. I, I just love it. But God has given me a lot of fresh revelation about the Christmas story. And that's kind of what I was planning and uh, I wanted to share a little bit about Joseph and some other things. And, and uh, just the last two days, every time I tried to go back to my Christmas story, uh, the Holy Spirit just kept reminding me of this. It's very, very simple, but I think the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of our hearts in a very relevant and provocative way. And in verse 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? 
And they were saying this, testing him in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking, asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone, and the woman was there in the midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way from now on and sin no more. Now, this really is a extremely dark moment. What's going on here with these religious leaders coming to Jesus with this woman is extremely dark, extremely demonic. I mean, in a moral sense, in an ethical sense, in a relational sense, this is. Um, these religious leaders are posturing themselves uh, on the back of her shame, on the back of her pain. Not only that, but they're using her pain and their shame as a position to attack Jesus. This is dark. You've really got to just stop for just a moment and see how demonic, how horrific this was. Using this woman's pain, using this woman's shame to attack and accuse Jesus. I mean, there are few things darker than using the rubble of one's brokenness to make us look good. You know, it's sadistic. Taking pleasure, finding pleasure, finding promotion, finding gain in the brokenness, in the shame, in the pain, in the disaster of another. That's what's going on. This is extremely dark. Very, very, very dark moment. Then in verse 6. It says that Jesus stooped down on the ground. He went down to the ground. Now, why did Jesus go down to the ground? Well, some people said, well, because he needed to write something. The first reason why Jesus went to the ground is because that's where she was. That's where she was. She was on the ground. The lowest place, hard and dark. That's where he went. That's what love does first. First thing he did was go to the ground, meet her exactly where she was. See, there are a lot of uh, many people that think the first, kind of the first evidence of God's love is him removing the mess. It's not. The first evidence of his love is meeting us in the mess. In fact, that's sometimes the best evidence of it. Yeah. That's sometimes the best evidence is that he meets us in the mess. He meets us in the trial. He meets, meets us in the wreckage, in the damage. It's the first and best evidence that he really is on our side. I mean, think about relationships or marriage. I mean, there's no doubt my wife and I, the love we have for each other. We've been married for 36 years, and uh, it, there's a lot of love in the good times, but, you know, there's a lot of love in the bad times. In fact, my wife loving me when I'm being a knucklehead sometimes is a, the better evidence that she really does love me, you know? I mean, anybody can stay around you when you're doing good. But when you kind of you're in there, when it's not so good, it's kind of messy. Boy, that thing is a whole lot deeper. And that's what we see here. That's what we see here. So he goes to ground, and, of course, everybody knows that what happens next. He begins to write on the ground, right? He begins to write on the ground. And, of course, there's been this Big search to find out what was he writing. I'm sure many pastors, many great revelators are just crying out to God, please show me. Let me be the one to know, to see 
what Jesus was writing. And, and, and I've, I've heard some pretty interesting theories. You know, that he was listing the sins of those Pharisees, the religious leaders, or that he was writing the names of their mistresses. Have you ever heard that? The, um, the names of their mistresses, their girlfriends, you know. Now, now, <laughs> now that, um, you know, that sounds funny and cute, but that's really bad theology. Because Jesus doesn't fight shame by shaming. Doesn't do it. He does not fight shame with shame. Something else is going on here, and we're going to take a little bit of a deeper look at it. See, the, the, the question um, we should be asking isn't what is he writing, but what is he doing? The question is not what is he writing, but actually what is he doing? And Jesus is literally modeling a Genesis 1. Um, he's modeling Genesis chapter 1. He's modeling a new creation moment. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. We have the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the sur uh, surface of the deep. That word darkness is not physical darkness. It's, a, it's koshek. It's moral darkness. It speaks of sorrow, loss, ignorance, wickedness. That's what that word darkness means. That was the condition when he said, let there be light. And he steps in and he begins to create. He begins to shape. It was the same situation. The same moral darkness we find where the these Pharisees are bringing this adulterous woman and positioning themselves. That moral darkness. That was a Koshek moment. And of course, how did God create man? He stooped down into time, space, and substance, right? Got into the dirt, right? Got into the dirt and began to create, began to shape man. From the dust of the earth. Did you know that word in verse 6? That word grapho means to carve out. When it says the word he began to write. That word write means is grapho. It means to carve out, to shape, to form. This was a new creation moment that was taking place. And then there's another question we can ask. Why did Jesus stoop down and straighten up twice? Nothing in here is by accident. Did you know that? Nothing's random. Nothing is like filler words. See, we do that. You know, we don't, you know, we kind of put filler words in conversations and kind of get random. But nothing in here is random. Everything has divine intentionality. He stooped down and straightened up twice. God wants us to know why he did. And in verse 7, he says, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And he stoops down a second time. He stoops down the second time. The first time he stooped down to where she was, he met her. And he stood up and he spoke. He who is without sin be the first to cast the stone. And he stooped down a second time. You see, Jesus wasn't shaming them. He was showing them that they were her. He who was without sin cast the first stone. Because if you're not without sin, you're her. You're throwing stones at yourself. That's you. You're all in the same condition. You're all at the lowest place. Doesn't matter how much knowledge you have, how much finance you have, how much education you have. We're all in the same dark place. And he's showing them that. He wasn't shaming them. He was showing them that, you know what, that's you. You're in that place. You're on the ground. You're in the dirt. Your righteous deeds are as filthy rags. 
many years ago, there was a poster a long time ago, and <laughs> the poster had a, it was a picture of someone who had been in a, some kind of horrific accident. Didn't know what the accident was, but he was all bandaged up. And uh, his head was bandaged. His, he had black, both eyes were black, you know, bloody bandages. He had casts on both arms. His legs were all bandaged up. He was all bandaged up. And on the top of the poster, it read, it only happens to the other guy. Then on the bottom of the poster, it says, to the other guy, you are the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are the other guy. That's all of our conditions. And so the enemy likes to create this image or this picture, whether it's, you know, our educational uh, success or vocational success or financial success or athletic success or whatever it might be to give us a, a different picture. But no, we're all in that dirt. We're all in that mess. He's meeting us all, all of us in that pain, in that disaster, in that situation. But then in verse 11... Verse 10, he says, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way from now on and sin no more. You see, the first time uh, was to meet her where she was. The second time was to make sure she didn't stay there. The first time was to meet her where she was. He meets us exactly where we are. But the second time was to make sure she didn't stay there. See, Jesus meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. And there's a lot of people that are not getting the victory for one of two reasons. I'm not saying they're the only reasons, but in this context for one of two reasons. Either number one, they will not get honest about where they are. See, they want Jesus to meet them where they think they are or where they are pretending to be. And he doesn't do that. You know, your mind has you at a kind of a cleaner place. And he's back there in the dirt where you really are. He's back there in the pain and the mess and the humility and the humiliation, the rejection the bondage, that's where he's at. That's where he's at. He's waiting for everybody where there's truth. How cool is that? The spirit of truth was poured out. That's where he's waiting to meet. But the enemy gives us a pretended position. So there's a lot of people that will not get victory because they won't meet him where they really are. He meets us where we are, not where we pretend to be, and then he takes us where we're supposed to be. So there are people, that's why, that's what salvation is. If you confess your sin, your sin, confess it. He's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He takes you out of it. But we somehow, we just sort of, you know, we kind of shift and modify. And, and there's another group of people that don't get victory because they see him as their comforter in it, not their conquering king from it. Seriously. Because he didn't just come to meet you where you're at. He came to take you from it. A lot of people want to see him as comforter in it instead of conquering king from it. Yeah. Both of those. Both of those. I mean, it's profound, but it's so simple. I mean, it really is. I mean, there are people in here that are not getting victory. And it's not because Jesus hadn't paid for it. It's because we will not allow him to meet us where we are or meet him as he is. Which is conquering king as well. as comforter and savior and forgiver and cleanser. My wife and I, the few in here that are real close to us know this, my wife and I went through a pretty traumatic time 
back in 2011, 2012. Went through the most painful experience of our ministry life. We've been in the ministry 37 years. And, and it was horrific. I mean, it really was. It was extremely painful. We'd left a global organization, you know, and just lost more relationships than we ever thought were possible. And uh, it was tough. It was really, really difficult. And still after two, two years later, I was still struggling with pain. I was still struggling with pain. My wife got through a lot quicker than I did because she, well, maybe, because she kind of faced it head on a lot quicker than I did. And then finally, after a couple of years, it was two years later, probably 2013, and I'm still battling the pain of this loss, this pain, agony of it. Finally, my pastor said to me, I've got a pastor, Costa Mitchell. He leads Vineyard in South Africa. He's one of the international leaders for Vineyard Churches, and he happens to be leading my team in our absence. He's part of our church, actually. I mean, we're not a vineyard church, but he actually leads our church in my absence because he's a kingdom guy. See, we don't serve one another because of organizational affiliation, but because of kingdom values and relationships. See, we're supposed to be the body, right? You know? And anyway, it's just a great testimony of living kingdom. And he, and he told me this. He said, he said, Bill, it says you won't get free from that pain until you own your anger. Till you own that anger, that unforgiveness. I, I, I really, I had, because of my, val, my relational value, I've got like a relational value on steroids. I mean, seriously. And, and um, I could not bring myself to admit that I was angry at these people. Because they're wonderful people. They're amazing people. I love these people, care about these people. But the fact of the matter was, I was hurt, I was angry, I felt stabbed in the back, but I couldn't go there. Because I thought if I went there, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. Well, I'm also a mess. <laughs> or I'm having a mess moment. I'm not saying it defines me because my spirit man is seed in the heavenly places in Christ, but my soul is like going through hell. He says, Bill, until you take, you own that anger, you're not going to get free from that pain. And he was right. And I owned it. And I said, you know what? I am angry. I am ticked off. I am hurt. I felt stabbed in the back. And it wasn't about throwing disparagement at anybody. It was just being honest about, Jesus, will you meet me where I really am? And I got healed, and I got set free from that. And I just believe there are people in here today just not getting free because you won't meet Jesus where you really are. Get honest about it. Honest about the bondage. Honest about your responsibility. Honest about the fact that, man, you blew it. You carry that. You have responded that way. That is going on in your soul. But you don't have to fear that. Why? Because as soon as you get honest and you turn towards him, he takes it. But until you turn towards him with it, he can't take it. That's how it works. And then the, the, the second category of people is that he takes it. You don't stay in it. You don't go back for a holiday and visit for a few days every couple of months. You know, that, you know, that country cottage is burnt down, you know, it's done. I just, I, I really do. I just feel like God wants to really set some hearts free, some souls free in this place today. It's a little bit different than my, my, my standard sort of altar call in ministry, but I want to have like an inner healing moment. I think the Holy Spirit wants to have a little bit of an inner healing and a breakthrough moment for some people in here. Quite a few people, I feel, in here that are stuck. You just keep going around that same hill. That same problem, that thing keeps coming up and you can't fathom why. And that's because you got to get honest. You got to own it. Take responsibility. That's me. Yeah, I did that. 
That is going on. I do feel that way. But you do that with Jesus, realizing that that light, that light that begins to shine just suddenly allows you to put it in the right direction to the one who can take it, and that's Jesus. He's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed. Like I said, he gets down right in the worst situations. That's what light does. Light shines where? Not in light. It shines in darkness. Did you know you're not... this? You are never going to shine any brighter than how you're shining right now. Did you know that? Because in heaven, it's so bright, no one's going to notice you shining. The shine is in the darkness. You are never going to shine brighter than you are shining right now. In fact, in many ways, maybe you're never going to see Jesus quite like you're going to see him now, where it's so dark. Something special. The angels look in envy. Because like, wow, they see a contrast they've never seen before. You know, the angels never saw that before. They never saw the depth of his love in heaven like they're seeing it now in the midst of our pain. In the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our difficulty. And then, of course, the breakthrough and the change that comes because of this dance of faith and grace. This love connection, this choice. It says yes to his goodness. And so what I want to do, there are many of us in here, and we're in two different categories. I'm going to do a little inner healing moment with you. Have anybody ever heard of Sozo? I'm going to Sozo you guys. Yeah. We're going to have a little Sozo. You can do corporate Sozos because it's really just a simple framework, and you show up with faith, and God does it. So if you're in here, and you're in one of two categories, either number one, you just can the pain, the bondage, whatever it is, you just keep battling the same thing. And you know, it's, you got to get honest. You got to meet them where it is. You've got to own it. That's me. But, 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 but it's not me in the sense of it's not my na- ultimate nature. It's not, my, it's not what you have for me. It's not what I'm called to. And, God, and, and we're going to give it to Jesus. And then there are people that just, you know, you're just, you're just satisfied to just get comfort. Just get comfort in what they know is a very real problem. And so if you're in here, and, and like I said, th- this is a safe space. Did you know that? This is a safe place. This is a real safe place where we can be honest. We can be transparent with God and really with one another. And if you're here and you have an area, that applies to you. And the Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to you. I'm not trying to convince your head. The Holy Spirit touches your heart. And so if you're here, and that's you, let's just, just for a minute, every, I want every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, just a moment. Let's just do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. <clears throat> if you are in here, and boy, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and you know one of those two apply to your life, the number one, you've just not been willing to meet him where he is, where you really are. You're trying to have him meet you at a different place. Or number two, you've just you've embraced him as a comforter but not conquering king. If, if that applies to you in any way, would you just raise your hand if that's you? Just keep it up. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay, God. Yay, Jesus. Okay. You can put your hands down. This is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Because there's so many of you and no one's going to feel put on the spot, (laughs) I really want you just to come forward. Everyone that raised their hand, I want you to come forward. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. Yeah, thanks so much. Everybody that, thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. And, And if you raise your hand, I just want you to come forward, okay? Yeah. Everybody, let's just come on forward. we got plenty of room up here. Yeah wonderful keep coming everybody let's make room for everybody that raised their hand come forward we're gonna have a sozo moment okay this is real simple all right it's amazing what god does like like, hey doug would you help them all come up here i don't want them i want them all in the front if we can get them all in the front we got some room over here wow fantastic yeah move forward a little bit all right yeah this is so good yeah it's so good yeah so good we got everybody here wonderful Wonderful. 
I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lead you, okay? I'm just going to lead you. So, and everybody else out there, you can just be kind of praying and just supporting this moment. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. The presence of God is here. He really is. And he shows us Jesus in all our different kinds of spaces. So with your eyes closed, just picture yourself in your kind of your sweet spot, your, your favorite space. It might be around a campfire. might be around your kitchen table. might be in the lounge or in the living room with a cup of coffee. might be in the shower. I don't care. Whatever is your sweet spot, you're just a, a, a place that you just, listen, I, I like to be here. My study with a book or wherever you might be, I want you to see yourself there. Guess what Jesus is there. I want you to see Jesus is there. Some of you are very easily going to see Jesus in your mind, in your eye, your mind's eye. You'll get a picture of him in her image. The rest of you might just have a sense that Jesus is with me right there in my lounge, in my kitchen in my study, in my backyard, under a willow tree, at the park, in a museum, whatever it is, you just, there you are with Jesus. There you are. There you are. See that. What you're going to do, what you're going to do as you see yourself there, is you're bringing, you're holding your hands open, and you're bringing that situation reality, the reality, the, the pain, the hurt, the bondage, the whatever it is, either that you're just running from or hiding from or pretending is not really a big deal, or you're just sort of, I'm just camping out around or just comforting me, God, rather than setting me free. I want you to see that, just like you're holding your hands. You're, here's the honest truth, Jesus. You are a greater truth, but here's my honest truth. Here's my pain. Here's my hurt. Here's my fear. Here's the bondage. I just, in fact, put your hands in front of you, just like you're doing it. Just like you're doing it. Right there. Because you are. It's happening in the spirit, and that's where it really happens the most first. Holding your hands out. Here it is. Here's the honest truth. Here's my pain. Here's my bondage. Here's my hurt. Just see that. See yourself holding that before him. Now what you're going to do is you're going to give it to him because he's the only one that can do something with it on your behalf. The only one. But you got to be willing to do it. Are you willing to just give that to him? No more keep it. No more hold on to it. No more shy away from it. Pretend it's not there. Or no more just camp out around and just accept it. Are you? Can you give it to him? When you're ready, when you're ready, I want you just now to give it to him. There he is. You're just giving it to Jesus. Maybe he's sitting across the table. He's on the other side of the fire. you got to go around and, and hand it to him. But when you're ready, hand it to Jesus right there. Uh -huh. Just hand it to him. When you're ready, just give it to him. There it is. Give it to him. I want you to stand there while you're giving it to Jesus. Now you're going to see him do something with it. I want you just to see that. Whatever comes to your imagination, whatever comes to your, if it comes to your mind's eye, great. If it's just a thought, I want you to see. Now, he's going to do something with that. I want you to see it. I want you to see what he's doing with it. And some of you are seeing different things. He ate it. He burned it up. He threw it. As far as the east is from west, he threw it on the ground and stomped on it. You're going to see all different kinds of wild things or turned into something else in his hands. It went from a dark blob to flowers. You're suddenly going to see. There you go. Just see that. You're giving it to him. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, right now, right now in this moment with you and, with you and us, right now you and them, I just thank you that you are the comforter, you're the savior, you forgive, you heal, you deliver, you are conquering king right now for their lives. All that pain in Jesus' name, all that anger, all that fear, the root of the the, the root of that, all that anger and all that fear right now in Jesus' name. It's the root of that pain. Just it's gone. It's just gone. In Jesus' name, their, their soul being just cleansed, refreshed, washed out. 
by your goodness, you've met them. You're meeting them in that place. And you're taking them out. You're leading them out by the hand. Leading them out in your glory. Father, in Jesus' name right now, leading them out. All that pain, all that anger, all that hurt, all that fear right now. Fear in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I break every spirit of fear. The, the fear in Jesus' name, you're done. No more. There's torment. I just I hear people up here, just so much torment has been going on. You get pounded in the midnight hours. You get pounded in, in, uh, in your sleep. You get pounded by that tormenting spirit. I rebuke you in Jesus' name right now. Right now, spirit of torment, we break you. Fear, you're a liar. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear now. Now, all fear, go. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There it is. Fear gone. It's gone. It's a liar. It's a liar. It's a mouse with a microphone. It's broken in Jesus' name. Fear go. Fear go. Depression and oppression and heaviness go now in Jesus' name. That was connected to that fear. That was connected to that pain in Jesus' name. He set you free. Jesus sets you free. He's setting you free. He's taking you from where you were to where he is. From who you were to who he is. Yeah, right now. Just healing. Healing hearts. Healing. Healing balm. Just the love of Jesus. The love of the Father. Right now, just flooding souls. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Never the same. Never the same. Never the same. All that confusion. I just sense confusion. People really battling with their minds. So much confusion and conflict continually in the mind. I just break it in Jesus' name. You no longer have a root. They're no longer staying in their stuff. They're coming out of it. I break all that confusion in Jesus' name. We set them free. We set them free. We set them free. Could I have some of our team... As I, as I finish up praying to come up, some of the leaders in the team come up and start laying hands on people. Would you just start laying hands?